This is WVEWLP Brattleboro, 107.7 FM, your community radio station. Also streaming live online at www.wvew.org. Welcome to Indigo Radio, deepening understanding, making connections. On the air every Sunday at noon, we are a group of educators seeking to learn through engaging with others in our community and throughout the world. You can find us also on Facebook at Indigo Radio and on Instagram, SoundCloud, and iTunes. The views and opinions expressed on this program are those of the hosts and guests, not of the radio station. I'm Josh Wyman, joined by Anna Mulaney on the board. Hi, uh, everyone. Uh, James Douglas. Hello. And, and Maddie, and Matt, I forgot your name. Sorry, uh, Matthew Vernon Whalen. Matthew Vernon Whalen. Thank you. Um, so last night we had a screening, a film screening here in Brattleboro, um, and a discussion on the movie documentary Do Not Resist from 2016. Uh, the topic of the film was about policing in the United States and increased militarization of our police forces and the tactics they use. On today's show, we are going to focus on homelessness, criminalizing homeless, and what that means and what's that looking like here in Brattleboro. Um, we have with us in the studio, as I mentioned, James Douglas and Maddie Whalen. Uh, both have been speaking out on the issue of homelessness in this town. We're going to take a quick song break. Uh, we have uh, Police State by the Dead Presidents. Well, this thing is called the state. What is the state? The state is this organized bureaucracy. It is the police department. It is the army, the navy. It is the prison system, the courts, and what have you. This is the state. It is a repressive organization. But the state is here. Well, you know, you've got to have the police, because if there were no police, look at what you'd be doing to yourselves. You'd be killing each other if there were no police. But the reality is, the police become necessary in human society. You know how we think, organize the hood under our ching banners Red, black, and green instead of gang bandanas FBI spying on us through the radio antennas And them hitting cameras in the street like watching society With no respect for the people's right to privacy I take a slug for the cause like Huey P While all you fake niggas try to copy Master P I wanna be free to live, able to have what I need to live Bring the power back to the street where the people live We sick of working for crumbs and filling up the prisons Dying over money and relying on religion for help we do for self like ants in a colony organize the wealth into a socialist economy a way of life based off the common needs and all my comrades is ready we just spreading the seed you're black male live a third of his life in a jail cell cause the world is controlled by the white male and the people don't never get justice and the women don't never get respected and the problems don't never get solved and the jobs don't never pay enough so the rent always be late Can you relate? No more bondage, no more political monsters, no more secret space launches. Government departments started it in the projects, material objects, thousands up in the closets. Could have been invested in the future for my comrades. Battle contacts, primitive weapons out in combat. Many never come back, pretty niggas be running with gas. Rather get shot in they back than fire back. We're tired of that. Corporations hiring blacks, denying the facts, exploiting us all over the map. That's why I write the shit I write in my raps. It's documented, I meant it. Every day of the week, I live in it, breathing it. It's more than just fucking believing it. I'm holding them ones, rolling up my sleeves and shit. It's C-Lo for push-ups now, many headed for one conclusion. Niggas ain't ready for revolution. Your average black male, live a third of his life in a jail cell. Cause the world is controlled by the white male. And the people don't never get justice. And the women don't never get respected. And the problems don't never get solved. And the jobs don't never pay enough. So the rent always be late. Can you relate? We living in a police state. Okay. Uh, welcome back uh, to W. You're listening to Indigo Radio on 107.7 FM, Brattleboro Community Radio Station. Uh, Today in studio, we are talking uh, 
with James and Maddie of Homeless Revolution and also recapping last night's film, Do Not Resist. The film last night focused, as I mentioned, a lot on the militarization of our police forces. Uh, some of the aspects that film covered uh, included uh, purchase of military surplus uh, equipment, vehicles. Uh, it also talked heavily about uh, the growing uh, surveillance state uh, and how that is being used by our police forces, along with tactics and sort of training policies also by the police. James, I want to ask you, uh, you were in attendance last night. What did you think of the movie? Well, it wasn't anything shocking to me necessarily, only because I knew that it was coming. It's inevitable that the government would prepare for violence and unrest in this country because it's coming. Um, that doesn't mean that it's okay that what they're doing uh, because there's a lot of abuse going on in regards to this uh, but nevertheless that that's what's happening there we're, we're headed towards a difficult time and and I think that all of these people are overreacting but necess- nevertheless reacting to that to what's coming hmm. I think you want to chime in um, but uh, yeah I um, I think that the militarization of the police has been um, uh, building up for a long time um, from President Bush to Obama and I'm sure continuously under Trump we've been passing down military grade equipment to uh, domestic police uh, departments um, and um, I, I think that that's a, a, a sort of at least in decades past, that's been a a sort of bipartisan uh, move by lawmakers. Um, And yeah, there are a lot of contributing factors. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, I want to share a quote from uh, the the comments uh, from an article that the two of you had written. Um, It says, we in the homeless community and our allies feel that the police enforce and threaten to enforce the trespassing ordinances randomly, not consistently, and on public property, which for the homeless is like being terrorized. You never know when they will show up. I want to ask you guys to speak a little bit uh, about the Homeless Revolution group and sort of what the group that um, has been trying to do in the community here. Yeah, okay. Well, the Homeless Revolution was born out of an arrest for trespassing. Um, it wasn't my intention to do it all this way. Uh, I originally started a process of, of uh, creating an organization to help homeless and, and drug addicted people get their lives back together. Um, and then I got arrested and the homeless revolution began at that point. Um, and and what, what we began to realize was that people were being uh, trespassed off of public property and interestingly enough they were being trespassed with no other criminal violation involved um, they were not being charged with anything other than trespass at that point we began to realize that there was a problem <laughs> that, it, that, it, that it had to stop um, and and so we we started this grassroots movement to, to do just that, to try and put a stop to it. Um, fortunately, some of it has stopped. Uh, however, um, they, 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 <laughs> they stopped, they said that they were going to stop it and then arrested me, uh, which is interesting because I, I, I don't really know whether the word got to everybody or not I, because they put in place this policy to stop arresting people for trespassing unless there was some sort of criminal activity involved. And then they arrested me after they put that policy in place. Um, so there seems to be a bit of a disconnect. Uh, there seems to be something else going on other than just trying to police the area. Um, there, there, it, it <laughs> there seems to be an agenda, perhaps. Uh, now, I, I can't verify that, of course. All I can do is look at the behavior and, and judge it from that. But certainly, that's what's happening. We're 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 being uh, we're being dealt with by bad parents. <laughs> and James, can I just jump in here because 
and just thinking about the movie last night and a lot of it focused on Ferguson. And one of the things I said last night was Brattleboro is not Ferguson, right? So that came up, um, Ferguson around a lot of the um, police violence and the shooting of Michael Brown, right, it was? But however, the tactics of surveillance and harassment and moving people along and especially people who are living on the streets, the the there is police interaction and one of the rallies that you all held I went to uh, outside of the town offices and I interviewed I got little clips from people that are experiencing homelessness and sleeping in different areas of town and the consistent thing that came up with each of them when I interviewed them was being harassed and moved along by the police even one of them telling me that police get on four-wheelers and come out into the woods to try and actually find people. And I wanted to know if, if either you could talk a little bit about that, sure. of your knowledge of other people's experience in town. Sure. Um, yeah, that's, um, I came into town three years ago. And three years ago, it was the same as it is now. Uh, in the summertime, when the shelter closed, people were given tents. Um, however, uh, according to the ordinances on the books here in Brattleboro, there is no legal place to pitch a tent. And so all of these people who come out of the shelter with no place else to go are given tents and sleeping bags with the assumption that they'll be able to use them. Um, and so they go looking for spaces to pitch these tents. And when they did that, the police came down on them. Some tents were burned. Uh, some tents were just, uh, with all of their belongings, just picked up and thrown in back of the trucks and put in dumpsters. Um, people were trespassed often. Uh, they, were, they were given short warnings for things they could never get out of on time. Um, yes, all of these things were happening three years ago, and in some cases, two years ago. This year, something has changed. I'm not quite sure what it is, but something has changed. It's not happening anymore. However, the increase in trespass arrests has happened. And so the, it's a little confusing as to what it is that they expect us to do. <laughs> where, 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 you know, they, they, they leave us alone. We've got a little tent city going on here in town, and they're leaving people alone. Um, people are putting tents up all over the place, in fact, in some cases, in public property, and they're leaving them alone. For the most part, they're leaving them alone. But they're trespassing people. So it, it you know, is a little confusing as to what their policy is and, and, and what we should expect. You know, they, they, they come around to check up on us on a, uh, often. Um, but they're not taking our belongings anymore. They're not taking our tents. They're not doing any of that anymore. Uh, I'm not quite sure what changed. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe Maddie can speak to the policy changes. I, I may not know. I'm not sure exactly what changed. Uh, like my, my perspective on it is that um, a number of people in this community uh, were coming to me from the homeless community. Uh, a number of people in the homeless community were coming uh, to me around the beginning of the summer and describing different experiences of feeling like they were having too many interactions in um, people being trespassed or moved along and um, this was around the time that James was uh, arrested and um, then we publicized that arrest and we had the event and we started reaching out to the town and the and the uh, and the police chief with uh, or the police department rather with questions um, uh about the town's policies around trespassing and various issues relating to homeless people. And then, then they told us that they had made these policy changes uh, that would prevent this sort of thing from happening in the future, uh, not in a way that was directly related to James, but certainly the timing seemed to line up. Um, and it's not totally clear, and it's not because it's, I haven't, asked but um, it's not totally clear to me if uh, those policy changes happened bef um, you know as a result of James's arrest or um, and and 
certainly we reached out so soon after that it seems like if they had been making these policy changes over a long period of time, they it would be hard to believe they weren't in place before he was arrested. Um, and then in general, I think like so. I mean, I wrote the book. I wrote a book about um, the issue and about homelessness in this country, as told by the homeless community in this area. And uh, interactions with the police are just a part of daily life. Um, accumulating legal problems like the ones James is describing, like a trespass citation, might not seem like a huge deal, but um, you know, I mean, I've seen. I've seen cases where things, like an accumulation of things like n trespassing ordinances, uh, public intoxications, um, you know, uh, disturbing the peace, you know, things, crimes that are committed as a result of having nowhere to live, they accumulate over time, and eventually you just have a ton of legal problems. Um, and, you know, I've seen at at two sources in particular for the book. First of all, none of my sources for the book didn't have a series of of legal problems, all of them pretty much were an accumulation of small, nonviolent crimes. And oh no, yeah, no, and sorry, and t in in two cases in particular, um, the sources ended up in jail uh, for a long time, and it was not you know they didn't hurt anyone. They it was all of their crimes were pretty much committed as a result of having no place to go, and also just if if interacting with the police is just a regular part of daily life it begins to amount to a form of surveillance that the rest of us just aren't experiencing and yeah just the last thing I want to say about it is about is about probation like if 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 I'm on probation uh, like uh, you know if you're if you're a functioning member of society if you're on probation then it's it's honestly like it's not a very big deal um like you follow the stipulations you go to work you live your life the way you normally would if you have a job you have family if you have access to health care if you have uh y you know very if you have money if you have various things that keep your life functioning probation something like probation is manageable but if you're homeless you're constantly vulnerable you're you might be trespassing by accident um, if you want to drink a beer, you know, it might not say in your probation stipulations that you can't drink beer, but because you're homeless, you have to do it in public, and that's illegal. Um, and, uh, yeah, if you get into an argument, you can't get into an argument in the privacy of your own home. Mm -hmm. um, so there are various um, various ways in which just uh, being a person is a more criminal activity when you have nowhere to go. Yeah, I think you bring up such a really important point around this and that the criminalizing just survival activities, people that are um, don't, like you said, ha are out in public, are surveilled more, um, who maybe look a certain way, are in certain areas. And what we know, too, with our jails and our prisons is that the high highest percentage are people that are in lower income or... Um, really suffering economically poor and that there's this like revolving door that happens. We are going to go actually to a song. We're going to take a quick song break. And then what we want to do when we come back is talk to both of you about sort of how you got into this work and um, thinking about the goals of the homeless revolution. So we'll be back. We're going to play Nina Simone, Ain't Got No Life. Ain't got no home, ain't got no shoes, ain't got no money, ain't got no class, ain't got no skirts, ain't got no sweaters, ain't got no perfume, ain't got no love, ain't got no faith. I ain't got no culture. Ain't got no mother, ain't got no father, ain't got no brother, ain't got no children, ain't got no aunts, ain't got no uncles, 
listening to Indigo Radio on 107.7 W or FM Brattleboro's community radio station. Uh, we're here in studio today speaking with uh, James and Maddie of Homeless Revolution and also recapping last night's uh, Indigo film series, uh, Do Not Resist. Uh, thank you again both for joining us in the studio. Uh, I want to start back up with talking about goals and visions for uh, the uh, homeless revolution and what it is that you'd like to see happen here in Brattleboro a little bit. Okay. Yeah, he starts with Brattleboro, I guess. Um, the whole process started from my own circumstance, being homeless for most of my life. I, I, I began to realize that I had no way out. Sorry. It's hard to talk about. And one day, I, uh, when I came into contact with Groundworks, I began to realize that perhaps there was a way out. Um, and that maybe if I got involved with something like this, that I could work my way out of this without getting back involved with the government and all their rules. And So I tried to get involved with Groundworks. It didn't work out. Um, and I found a place to go for the winter and spent four months thinking about it. And I came back here in the same condition I was when I left. And <coughs> I thought, well, I have to do something. There's only one way out. I have to help homeless people. How can I help myself if I'm not helping homeless people? I'm homeless. So that's kind of how it started. I, I just got onto social media, something that I don't ever do. I decided that it was time to let the world know who I am, that you know I have some talents and I can use them. And so I decided to start doing it. Time to work my way out of this mess. And so I got onto social media and I put out the call to Brattleboro. Because I saw it happening right before my eyes. I see the town deteriorating right before my eyes in the short time I've been here. It's happening quickly, and it's happening all over the country, not just here. And so when I put out the call, I got some responses, and things started to move. And I, have a, I, had, a, I had a vision that has been in my head for a long time about you know, the way that I really like to kind of live myself anyway. And that vision was to have a place for the homeless and drug addicted to come and put their lives back together again. That kind of place doesn't exist. Some place long term that actually allows them to live a normal life while they're getting better. Not some program or group that they have to sit through every day. Um, the information is good, but that's not the way to give it to them. Um, so the vision has to do with, you know, uh, uh, a place for people to go to get their lives back together. A piece of land, some place that's self-sustaining, um, and that that the homeless people and the community run together. Um, that you know that where everyone has a say in the in the matter, not just the community, but the homeless people too. Not just the organizations that are helping the homeless, but the homeless people too. The homeless people need a voice, um, and that's part of the vision. The part of the vision is to is to get the homeless people involved in their own recovery, get the homeless people involved in getting off the street. Um, and give the t in order to do that, they have to have a voice in their own lives. What has it been like organizing the homeless and other people in Brattleboro around this? What has that been like for, for the Homeless Revolution Group? The organizing part has actually been pretty exciting. Um, I, I, because I knew, you know, this is, a, this is a place of healing here. This is, this Brattleboro is a place of healing. They've set themselves up for that purpose. And, and yet, they're, you know, they're kind of denying it right now. They're, they're kind of denying the fact that they're set up to heal. They're set up to help people. Um, and, and, and because they're denying it, it it's, it's getting worse. Things are getting worse. Um, if they just put their focus back to where they originally put their focus in the first place, um, things would get better. Um, the organization thing, there's a lot of people here who really, really, really want to help. Um, and that's inspiring to me. That's, you know, that's why I'm still doing it. Because I know, I mean, I had... Uh, Maddie and I got put on this event, you know, this protest, and 40 people showed up in the pouring rain. 
it, that's, you know, that just blew my mind. You know, 10 police showed up. You know, 10 of them. That, you know what that tells me? Uh, that people are listening. <laughs> you know, people are hearing what's going on. there, and, and so it's kind of exciting. I, I really believe that Brattleboro is capable of making this happen, that, that we can fix this. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that it doesn't have to, the town doesn't have to get overrun. But it will. It will if we ignore it. If we just complain and, and argue, we'll, it'll get overrun. Well, and you've mentioned before it's sort of like a family feeling on the street for um, for folks, and so maybe you could speak a little bit about how this how this homeless community is able to to support each other in just the various ways that they do that. Oh, right now, it's so difficult for everybody to connect with each other. The homeless people in the community, you know, a lot of people are scared, and understandably, um, it, it's hard to watch this stuff happen on the streets. I don't like seeing it. I run away from it sometimes. It's very difficult, you know, to watch the drug deals, to watch people shooting up in public, to watch people smoking crack, to watch people drinking and getting, getting drunk, and watch all this stuff happening on the streets. It's not supposed to happen this way. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all know that it's not supposed to happen this way. But we can't just complain about it. We can't do that. It's not going to fix it. Well, everybody understands that that's not how life works. Um, so, you know, it, <laughs> it, it, to, to connect everybody... I'm trying. Um, we're, 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 we're making a plans to um, set up a table down there on the walkaway. Um, and, and we're going to give out information. We're going to give out flyers and we're going to sit ourselves right there and we're going to say, come on over here and talk to us. Mm-hmm. Come on over here and get to know who we are and find out what the needs really are. You know, um, that's, that's kind of what we're trying to do. We're trying to make these connections so that the community can see what the needs really are. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if you're telling me that the needs are being met now, then explain to me why things are getting worse. They're not. The needs aren't being met. And can I, um, Maddie, I just want you to weigh in here. Um, I'm wondering if you could kind of add to what James is talking about and also um, to let the listeners know what brought you into this work. I know you've written a book um, and you talked about that previously, but if you could talk a little bit more about yeah, what, what your entr- entrance into this has been. And what you see kind of your role to as? Sure. Uh, well, I guess I have come to have a couple of different roles. Some of this work found me more than I found it. But um, I have been a writer for a long time. I uh, went to Marlboro College, and I've been living in Brattleboro ever since. And um, I... Um, I, around the time I moved here, uh, the homelessness discussion was uh, beginning to come up in various ways in the community, um, and I was reading the paper a lot at the time and following it closely, more closely than other issues, um, because it seemed like a hot-button issue and uh, one that had the potential to come up in various really complicated ways for a long time, which it did. Um, and I, the first thing I noticed was that in uh, Select Board and the, the local newspaper, um, in discussions with uh, the police, um, even I'm, I, I'm not fully aware of this myself because I don't have it, but I'm told that it's even worse on social media. Um, but uh, the issues I looked at at the beginning for the book that first start me started my interest in this were that um, the moving of the winter shelters, uh, the Groundworks winter shelters, both times uh, were covered in the papers and discussed at select board meeting. The closing of the wall on Flat Street was uh, covered by the local papers and discussed in various forms in the community, uh, behind the wall behind the machine shop on Flat Street. the uh, town's dispute with the ACLU regarding uh, the anti-begging um, uh, ordinances, um, some of the trespassing issues, and then the issue of panhandling, uh, which is asking for money in public, um, were all covered in the local press and discussed in um, various uh, in in select board meeting and various. Uh, local forums and um, in none of those cases were homeless people included publicly in those discussions and um, the 
the thoughts of homeless people about their own lives every time it came up in any issue related to homelessness um, there was one source curiously omitted from every single story every single select board meeting discussion uh, and that was homeless people who the discussions were about and it struck me as strange because like if you're passing legislation about farmers or you're writing stories about farming you know you talk to local farmers or if you're doing uh, uh, if you're working on something regarding local businesses um, you know you talk to local business owners um, if you're making policy decisions about that if you're writing a story about that how that's affecting the community you talk to the people you're writing about or, or making policy decisions about um, and that was never done with homeless people so that that and also homeless people were my friends I don't share many of the stereotypes that most people in this community have about homeless people or most people I think in general um, I don't think it's wrong to give people money who are asking for it on the street inherently as long as the exchange is uh, consenting on both ends um, I don't think that uh, I mean, the most important thing I've found is that most people think that there's one explanation for homelessness. Most people right now, I think, generally the feeling is that it's the opioid crisis. But a lot of people think that, you know, it's the economy, the housing crisis, leftovers. Um, um, and it's not that any of those things are wrong, but what I found most commonly is that for my sources, there was no single cause to their homelessness. Rather, everything that causes homelessness happened to them all at once. Um, so, yes, it's sometimes it's opioid addictions, but it's never just an opioid addiction. It's like also, you know, I was in this abusive situation, and then I lost my house for this other reason, and then, and so I think it's you know if it, if just one uh, significant traumatic event like that happens to somebody and the other ones remain healthy and intact you're not as likely to end up homeless I think in order to end up homeless like many different aspects of your life have to uh, suffer all at once and I think you know if you're poor I think it was Barbara Ehrenreich who said if, if you're poor in this country uh, your life is a constant emergency mm -hmm. if you're homeless in this country I think your life is a constant tragedy mm. um, and uh, it is it is the cost of housing it is the opioid crisis um, I didn't interview a single female source for my book who was not uh, raped or abused at some point during or directly preceding their homelessness mm -hmm. um, it and it is the economy too and um, yeah so and and also it's it's an ongoing issue i mean all of my sources had tra childhood trauma of some kind and and so a lot of the narratives about um you know um you know how people become homeless and why and, and what choices people make i think are pretty uh watered down and not really well thought out so that and also most of my friends in this community are homeless mm -hmm. my closest friends in this community are homeless which I find is unfortunately unique to non-homeless people. Mm -hmm. um, I don't really know many people with circumstances like mine who interact with the homeless community to the extent that I do. Yeah. Um, Just to jump off something that you said, because we've done some shows around this of um, also talking about this, what trauma is, right? And that many people experience these individual traumas. And as you spoke, that there's probably almost always a history of that or um, something has been disrupted in their lives. And I think that as educators, both Josh and I and the work that Brattleboro Solidarity does is also looking at how is um, society organized in such a way that produces trauma for people. And so looking at it on a, a bigger scale and then how that impacts um, specific individuals. The other point I just want to say too, because I've also been following a lot of these conversations in town, is what I find also striking is that that people who are struggling on the streets or experiencing homelessness are part of our community. And I feel like there's this conversations as if they are not, that that is not part of our community and it is our community. Or that they're not like the community members they should be, you know? Yeah. Like, like one thing you hear a lot is, 
or like every homeless person who's panhandled in this town is has heard at some point they could get a job comment yeah yeah you know and to me that's an interesting thing because uh the implication there is like you're not working hard enough or you're not like uh you know you're not contributing you, you know um you're just standing there asking for money um and i i think that like one of the ironies i mean there are many problems with that one of the ironies is that like most people are not brave enough to do that <laughs> you know that's like actually a very difficult job right um like you, that's some of the hardest work you can find yeah i think is standing on the street asking for money yeah yeah totally I uh, yeah go for it james <coughs> yeah if i might um i this whole idea that homelessness is is something new all of a sudden is 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 uh <laughs> is a misnomer uh, homelessness is something that's been around since we've all been around um the the change that has occurred in this particular country uh, and that's the only one that i can speak to at this point is that we our society has broken down in the past, the society was set up in order to deal with this, and there wasn't very much of it. There was some, but there was a, there was a sense that we were supposed to take care of one another, a sense that uh, from the homeless person that they had a, they had a responsibility to their community and, and that they were to do what they could to get better and, and to change themselves. Um, and the society, now that society has broken down the way that it has, those expectations don't exist anymore. The expectation to have to help somebody or the expectation to be responsible to your community has just gone away. And so now we have an epidemic. Uh, it, it's, it's not hard to see um, that that's how we've gotten there. Uh, what's hard is how are we going to fix it? Thanks, James and Maddie. We're going to actually take a quick song break and then we're going to come back and we want to talk um, for the last part of the show about things that... Uh, we can look at in Brattleboro what needs to be done, what your thoughts are on that. And we're going to talk a little bit also about the climate change and how that impacts um, disproportionately, of course, people that are struggling on the streets or sleeping in tents. So we'll be back. We're going to play um, Bruce Springsteen, the ghost of Tom Joad. Walking along the railroad tracks Going someplace and there's no going back Highway patrol choppers coming up over the ridge Hot soup on a campfire in the bridge Shelter line stretching around the corner Welcome to the new world Sleeping in the car in the southwest No home, no job, no peace, no rest Well, the highway is alive tonight Nobody's kidding nobody about where it goes I'm sitting down here in the campfire line Searching for the ghost of time, Joe Prayer book out of his sleeping bag Preacher lights up a buddy and takes a drag Waiting for when the last shall be first and the first shall be last In a cardboard box near the underpass Got a one-way ticket to the promised land
there's a cop beating a gun Mary wrong, great and bone, baby, cry There's a fight against the blood and hatred in the air Look for me, mom, I'll be there There's somebody fighting for a place to stay A decent job or a hippie Somebody struggling to be free Look in the eyes, mom, you'll see me The highway is alive now Nobody's kidding nobody about where it goes I'm sitting down here in the campfire line With the ghost of old time, Joe This is WVEW, Brattleboro Community Radio, and you're listening to Indigo Radio on the air every Sundays at noon. And we are here with uh, Maddie Whalen and James Douglas from Homeless Revolution talking about the work that they are doing in Brattleboro, their thoughts around uh, homelessness and criminalization, surveillance. And I'm here with Josh. And um, Josh, I know you have a question for James. Yeah, James, I'm... I'm curious, uh, you know, we've talked a little bit before about this, but uh, you've mentioned that, that people don't fit in to sort of the schedules of uh, social service uh, agencies. I'm wondering if you could speak a little bit more about uh, how sometimes those social service goals don't line up with the needs of people on the streets. Um, and then maybe a little bit, um, well, we'll get into that first, but why don't you start with that? <laughs> okay. Um, I see it every day. I, I see people fail. Um, they they try. They try and go through the system that's set up for them, and they fail. It happens a lot, uh, more often than I think that we're willing to accept. But it 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 we have to. Um, and all of the organizations that are here, that are in place right now, that are trying their best to help people. Um, are all dependent upon the treatment system, the treatment centers. They're all dependent upon that because once they get people to agree to do something to help themselves, that's where they send them. And one treatment facility or another, whatever it happens to be. Um, and the treatment facilities aren't working. They're just plain not working. Um, and, and I don't have to come up with numbers to prove that. All I have to do is ask people to take a look around for themselves. Uh, that's all I have to do. Uh, uh, there are no numbers because the treatment facilities are unable to keep track of private lives once they leave. They don't know unless they return to their facility whether they succeeded or not. There are no numbers. They don't exist. Uh, what I have heard from these people themselves is that about 10% success rate and some, in some cases lower. Um, and so it's obvious that something's wrong. Something's not working. These people are expected to fit into some kind of a system that isn't working for them. It's just not working. And so what I'm looking at is how about maybe using the talent that's here in Brattleboro and, 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 the, and the resources that are here in Brattleboro to do something different. Uh, it, it's very possible. There, there are so many resources and so much talent and so much compassion and so much desire in this town to help. But the focus is not there. Mm. That's all that needs to change. That's it. If the focus changed this whole town to turn around in a minute, mm -hmm. it, w it wouldn't take long. It wouldn't take long at all. But that's, that's where the problem seems to be, is that people are being forced to fit into th programs uh, and a system that isn't working. 
and they all know that. Uh, Who doesn't know it are the people who are running the system, apparently. Well, and so we talked earlier in the show about, you know, it's not just one single cause that uh, leads people into homelessness. It's it's a number of things. And so I, I wonder, is that still part of the, you know, all these forces are still things that people are working through. And it, would you say, is that part of the reason why it's sort of a struggle for people to keep housing after they may be gone through these programs? It's it's almost impossible for some of them to keep housing. It. it I, I, I agree that people need a place to live. I agree with that. But housing people is not the answer. You can't just house people. You can't put them in an apartment and expect them to be okay when they're addicts. You can't do that. You just throw them in there and think that, oh, now they're going to sweep their floor, they're going to make their bed, and they're going to do their dishes, and they're going to pay their rent, and they're going to do all the responsible things that they couldn't do before you gave them the place to live. Mm-hmm. And you haven't given them any way to fix those things. They're going to fail. And it happens all the time. And what happens, unfortunately, is that as a result of their failure, they lose the opportunity to ever get that again. Mm-hmm. The government comes down on them and says, well, you're not capable of doing this, so we're not going to do it for you. Well, duh, they're not capable, you know. So we th- it, the housing people is not the answer. Uh, wh- what we need to do is help these people. We need to give them a way to get their lives back together. Mm. They, they don't know how to live a normal life. Maddie, do you want to add to that? Yeah, I was just going to say, I I think that the fact that there are so many causes for each individual case of homelessness, um, I mean, I think it's basically a myth that there's any one cause. Um, That uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that, uh, you know, people are destined to fail or that, um, I think what it really means is that it's not that housing is not the solution or the wrong solution, it's just that it's not the solution it's not the only solution there is no one because there's no one cause there is no one treatment and that's the similar so like the similar i would have a similar issue if this if everyone said let's just give people houses and then this problem will be over well i mean i have a similar issue with with project care it's like that's not i mean i think it's almost a little bit insulting to uh tout project care as a solution to homelessness First of all, you're just perpetuating the stereotype that all homeless people are addicts. And second of all, you're implying that if we just attack the drug problem, there won't be a homeless problem anymore, and these people are not homeless because of drugs. In some cases, that's a big part of why they're homeless. In some cases, in, in many cases, it perpetuates their homelessness. But it's extremely misleading to, you know, with any one issue, uh, to just treat one issue or just emphasize one issue over the others. And I think it's really just a way for not people who are not homeless to feel like something's being done. Yeah, and I also just want to add in, like, if we don't also dissect and investigate the economic system of capitalism that creates homelessness or creates poor people, then we're also not going to get far, too. Because I agree with this, is that, yeah, of course, I would also say, like, people need housing. People need safe housing. Absolutely. And I agree with both of you when you say that isn't the, an- like, the end of the answer. Yeah. Um, if, do, I, do I have time to, to, to do this? I wanted to add a little bit to yeah, some, yeah. Uh, something you just said. Because I, I think it's kind of important that people understand this. This idea comes up a lot about capitalism ruining people's lives. And, and I, I just wanted to speak to that just real quick because it really is an issue. It is, it, it, it's, just, it's a deciding issue for many. Um, and I'll, I'll just throw out a little bit of history real quick about corporations um, so that people can understand what's happened to the economy in this country. Um, back, back I, I think it was in the 20s, um, the, uh, Rockefeller started a corporation called Standard Oil. Um, and prior to that corporation, corporations were set up for a purpose. Like if we wanted to build a bridge from one town to another, we created a corporation so that there would no, be no liability for the particular people who are working on it in case someone got hurt. It would all be insured and people would be taken care of. And then when they finished the bridge, they would dissolve the corporation because the corporation had no longer had a purpose for existing. Corporations have power. And if you don't dissolve them when they're done, they will cause problems. Rockefeller started Standard Oil and convinced our government to allow him to continue that corporation. From that point forward, we now have a corporate economy in this country. 
It's not capitalism that's caused the problem. It's the corporate economy that's causing the problem. And if we can solve that, capitalism would go back to normal again, and so would our country. I do think it's helpful to distinguish between uh, different kinds of capitalism and different effects of capitalism. I think that like a local capitalism is very different from a corporate predatory capitalism, which is what we see in this country. But also I think that, uh, you know, when you have a corporate takeover of the entire democratic process and of the entire uh, economy, you begin to see uh, people's lives who are just sort of like ig uh, exhibits of total systems failure in every aspect of life because uh, at a certain point um, everything becomes impacted by the corruption of corporations. So. Um, you know, we have we overly invest in military equipment and in in um, the army and, and or in the military and the police, and so we have a system of um, uh, uh, militarized policing, and we um, you know get we deregulate Wall Street, so we get a housing crisis. Um, we have a war on drugs, so uh, people who are committing nonviolent crimes are criminalized more. Um, uh, and so I think that you know there is an there's an inter there's a sort of intersectionality to homeless life. A homeless person's life is a a pretty good um, sort of uh, window into all the different uh, failures of society. Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, and I think that. My understanding of, of course, we're coming right to the end of the show on this, is when we, th for me, I'm j I just want to say that I think my understanding is that there are different adjectives that people put before capitalism, like predatory capitalism or corporate capitalism. I think my understanding of the functioning of that economic system, though, that is like continues and is common, is that you cannot be rich without making other people poor. And for, for me, that is consistent with the trajectory of capitalism. Yes. We have four minutes left. I want to quick end on, we have, there's a movie coming up and it ties into also what we're talking about. And so I think we'll get a final word from both of you is that there is a movie Thursday, September 22nd, or sorry, Thursday, September 26th at 7.30 p.m. at 118 Elliott. It's sh called Showing of Strength. Um, or sorry, it's the strength of the storm, and it, there's going to be a discussion. It's part of the climate strike week, yeah. and it's by um, the Vermont Workers Center and Extinction Rebellion of Southern Vermont are hosting it, and it's about the Vermonters who are directly impacted by climate change. And so I think I would love for us to end on this. We just had the big climate march, and thinking about how that disproportionately affects people on the sure. street. If if James or both of you want to say a final thing as we close out here? Yeah, I mean, um, so one thing that's really important uh, that I think anybody researching, uh, sorry, one thing that's pretty important, I think anybody researching homelessness uh, uh, to any serious extent will find is that uh, the numbers on how many homeless people there are in this country are very difficult to find and to the extent that like they're basically misleading. Uh, housing and urban development um, uh, puts out uh, the numbers every year based on what they call point in time counts and point in time counts don't account I can't go into all the details now it's just not time but they don't account for uh, many different kinds of uh, homeless life um, they're also only done one night and typically it's in the middle of the winter which is when the fewest people are out on the street um, there are a lot of different uh, problems with the point in time counts, but suffice to say that uh, the Housing Institute Zillow did research which found that um, they could be like two or three times higher than the HUD counts. So there could be like two or three times more homeless people in this country than are even f officially aware of. And I say that because uh, one of those populations, they break it down every year into like who becomes homeless and how and how many, how many of each cause there are. One of them is uh, displacement due to um, natural disasters, and um, the even the official numbers have been on the rise for a couple of years. And um, uh, I think in the I think it was this past year, maybe the year before, when 
you know, for the first time it was on the front page of the report, several thousands in this population of displaced from climate change. And I think that, um, yeah, I mean, it does, you know, climate change not only displaces people, but uh, af disproportionately impacts people who are either homeless or at risk of becoming homeless. Um, and I do think that the science is extreme enough that the changes we're about to see to sustainable organized life on earth are, are going to be so extreme in this coming century that I think the question of, of how we treat people who have nowhere to go will become the most, one of the most important moral questions of our time. Um, Great, thank you for that. Uh, James, we got 30 seconds left and I just wanna well, first off, we just w really want to thank both of you for being in the studio with us today and talking about this really important issue. Uh, James, is there any last thing you want to um, leave our listeners with around either what needs to happen in Brattleboro or any of your last thoughts? Sure. I, I you know, I just want to say thanks. Um, thanks for the opportunity. Um, and thanks to Brattleboro. And Brattleboro has, has given me a purpose um, by answering the call that I've put out. And, and I hope that um, Brattleboro will continue to move in the direction that they're moving in. Uh, because if that happens, um, we'll, we'll, we'll nip this in the bud and, and get this community back. Uh, because <laughs> talk about climate change, it's happening right here in Brattleboro and it's not good. Um, there, there, are, there are some bad things happening on these streets around here and, and, and it needs to stop yeah. for the sake of everybody. Yeah, and I think I'd just like to say that, you know, win or lose, I think the town of Brattleboro, James, owes you a debt of gratitude that it will never repay. Thank you so much. Uh, it's so great to have you both here. We have to wrap up. You're all listening to Indigo Radio. That was Maddie Whalen and James Douglas here in the studio with us to share a lot of their knowledge and experience. And uh, we will see you next week. Thank you. Well, I was born to call miner's daughter In a cabin on a hill in Butcher Holler We were poor, but we had love That's the one thing that Daddy made sure of He shoveled coal to make a poor man's dollar